0: Let's give him another hand clap of praise. He's worthy tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus! I praise you and magnify you and thank you for all that you are and all that you have done. In Jesus' name. I want to give honor to my pastor and my bishop. I'm grateful for the opportunity to stand here, and I do not take it lightly. Um, and although it can be nerve wracking sometimes, I, I think it's my favorite place to to break bread, amen? Best place to, to preach to the saints of God. Best place to listen to good preaching. We heard a good one Sunday morning. I'm telling you, it's been a while since we heard Bishop. I think he deserves a hand clap of, of appreciation for... I guess I could be like Brother Bryce Cosby and be grateful that the Bishop showed up. It's been a while, and uh, we love him, and we're so glad that he is here with us today, amen. I want to read from Romans. Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, and then I'm also going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. Romans chapter 6 and verse 17 says, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, You have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, which was delivered you. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Let's pray this evening. Jesus, we love you and thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, God. I pray that your word would permeate our beings tonight, God. I pray that we would walk away wiser and understand your word more, God. I pray that you would be with every one of us, anoint the hear, God, and anoint myself as I preach the word tonight. We thank you and praise you for doing it all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I am going to be I guess probably more teaching, maybe a little preaching, so I hear that's called treaching um, on this subject, form, function, and doctrine, form, function, and doctrine. I heard a story recently about a man that bought a horse from an old pastor, and the old pastor began to tell him about the good things that the, the horse would be to him, and he told the man that if you want it to go somewhere, you need to say thank God, and if you want it to stay, then you just say amen, and so he decided to take the horse on a little jaunt, and he gets on the horse, and he yells thank God, and that thing takes off like a, a rocket, and he's sitting in that in that saddle thinking what in the world have I done, and he settles in, and he's like this is really nice, this horse is, is a good runner, I feel good, and Everything was great until he looked up and there was a cliff in front of him. And he got very concerned because he yells, first he yelled, whoa, and nothing happened. And he's all, oh, my word, what have I done? And so he yells even louder, stop, and nothing happened. He yells, halt, and nothing happens. And he's getting too close for comfort. He's like, this thing's going too fast. I can't get off of it. And all of a sudden, he remembers that he needs to yell At the top of his lungs, he yells, Amen. And that horse stopped on a dime about six feet from the edge of the cliff. And he's a little frustrated and a little out of breath because he thought he was getting ready to meet his maker. And he sighs a little bit, and he readjusts himself in the saddle, and he wipes his brow. And a little too loudly, he says, Thank God. So tonight... If you all thank God, I'm going to keep going. If you learn to say amen, I probably stop about the time we're supposed to get out of here. I want to talk about form, function, and doctrine. And I know that you hear this and you probably think, "Wow, he's getting ready to unload on the church." And I wouldn't do that. We heard a great message from pastor, and he began to share some of what we believe in our church. But when I talk about form, I looked at the dictionary and the dictionary describes it as a particular condition, character or mode in which something appears. And I began to think of the idea of being the apostolic bride of Christ, being the church of God. And I realize that just looking at us, I know that we kind of strike a certain form when we walk into a place, especially when our wives and daughters walk into a place with us. I remember walking into the local mall here and some women that were not dressed very well at all um, looked my, my daughters and my wife up and down and snarled their lip at them. And I walked away and kind of loudly, I said, what are you looking at? They're not showing anything. And it kind of frustrated me. And at, then I realized that, may well, maybe they shouldn't have heard what I said, and I hope they didn't. But we think of form and we think that we've got to look a certain way. And I do believe that there are some things that we need to adhere to to be apostolic. But I'm not just talking about the form of the way we dress. We cannot look like the rest of the world. I'm, I'm convinced of that. We can't look like everybody else. We can't walk around and not show ourselves to be a light because where would they look when they begin to enter into... Uh, Frustrating situations in their life. If they're not looking at the church, they're going to look somewhere else. And I don't want them looking at me and saying, You don't have the answer that I have because you don't look any different than anybody else that I look at in this world. And so we are not like the world, whether it's religious or not. That's not who we've been called to be, but we've been called to be separate from the world. And there is a form that we must take. And it doesn't have to just be in the form of the godliness of dress, but it's got to be in a smile on our face and love toward our neighbor and being able to. Reach out to people. It's so different today to stand in front of a door and open a door for a lady. I just talked to Brother Black the other day, and some lady looked at him, and she said, I don't need that. And so he said, I let the door go. But they, somewhere along the line, we've got people that have a, a certain thought that we don't need the traditional things that we've always had. And I'm sorry, I'm just a little bit traditional. I'm still going to hold the door. I'm still going to open for the, the door for my vehicle or my home for my wife and daughters periodically. Sometimes it doesn't happen. We get busy. But I, I, I like the fact that as apostolics, we can do more for the world than just look holy. There's got to be a form that we take that they understand that there's something different about who these people are. If people look at you and don't know who you are, that's, that's a sad testimony to what you're saying to them, whether in action or in deed. You've got to look the part. There's got to be a form that somebody says, I don't know what it is, but something is special about you and something special about your children and something special about your wife. I've noticed the way they dress, but it's in the demeanor. It's in the way they smile. It's in the way they care about people. we're going to be apostolic i i do agree that probably there's going to be a little bit of sacrifice to look apostolic and to act apostolic there are no shortcuts to that you know i told brother braver some years ago everybody wants to be the disciples who turn their world upside down but nobody wants to be the disciples who turn their world upside down because they were weird They did crazy things, and they were willing to sacrifice anything to see the gospel of Christ preach, and they would get beat in one place, and they would go to the next and preach it again, and they would get scorned in one place, and they would shake the dust off their feet and go somewhere else and preach the same gospel because there was something special about the gospel and what they were given to preach that they didn't care what they looked like or what they acted like or if they slept on a stone floor in a prison or they slept in a house. It just didn't matter. They were going to be apostolic. and Somewhere along the line, I've got to understand that I've got to take the form of an apostolic not just in my dress, but there's got to be something on the outward and also on the inward that changes who I am completely and lets people understand you're more than just a man that took a a form of doctrine and said oh yeah I can believe that I can talk about that I can teach that but you're somebody that's taken it to heart and lived it so it goes for an inward preparation as well as an outward appearance so we've got to be a happy people I think the worst thing ever is seeing somebody dressed a certain way And they look like they've been putting sour grapes in their mouth. Bless God, I look right, but I ain't going to act right. And I remember being in a place with my father. I went to see Mount Rushmore some years ago. And we saw a woman there, and she looked apostolic from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. And so we walked in that general area, and she looked up, and we smiled. And she gave just a little bit of a just barely smile. And my dad started talking to her and asked her where she went. She goes, I'm not who you think I am. And she was upset that she would be considered apostolic because of the way she dressed. And I'm telling you that looking at her would put some churches to shame in the apostolic realm or the people that they call themselves apostolic. She was dressed holy but she wanted to make sure that she un- that we understood that she didn't believe the oneness doctrine at all and i walked away shaking my head thinking what is so horrible about that why in the world are you so concerned that we don't recognize you as an apostolic because somewhere along the line she had been taught some form of doctrine but there was a there was a uh, a denying of the power as scripture says there was a denying of the power because the Holy Ghost had never been given to her, so power had never entered her body. Nothing had ever really taken place to say, this is why I do this, and I'm going to continue to live this way. It was something that was forced because somebody said, you need to look that way. You need to act this way. There's got to be love for our neighbor. There's got to be love for the fellow man. There's got to be something that sets us apart as the bride of Christ. We must look like the bride of Christ. Function is another word that I looked up in the dictionary, and it says the kind of action or activity proper to a person, thing, or institution, the purpose for which something is designed or exists. And I put a few points in here that the church exists to. What does the church exist to do? If I read my scripture correctly in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and verse 20 says go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the world amen we exist to preach the gospel and make disciples there is a reason the church has been put here it was not here to just fellowship with each other it was not put here just for us to sit in a room and and try to encourage one another through life's difficult moments and I, I believe we can do that I believe that's part of it but that's not the whole reason we were sent here to do that I don't believe for a second that Jesus sat down with the disciples and said I want you guys to understand something you're going to face some difficult things so just hang on to what you got and just hang on to each other and encourage yourself through this And so one of these days if you're lucky to not be hung upside down until you're dead or your head Lopped off or any of the other things That the disciples had to endure Because of the gospel that they preached He told them I want you to go And I want you to preach the gospel to every nation I want you to start right where you're at And I want you to go outside of that church And I want to go to part of the city That you've never been in I want you to share the gospel And when you've done that I want you to go to a neighboring town And I want you to share the gospel there And when you have completed that I want you to go outside of your state Or outside of your country And I want you to preach this wonderful message Message and and let people understand that there's more to this life than what they are living. First Corinthians 1:20 says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the wisdom by the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There's a reason why. There are preachers that being raised up in this generation. There's a reason why there are preachers being raised up in the generation of Brother Frost. There's a reason why that people still step to the forefront and say, I will preach the gospel because Jesus said, go ye therefore and preach the The gospel. There was a reason why he wanted to start a church. There had to be some function of the church. There had to be something that happened that made people understand there's more to a life that I'm living. I want to go to that apostolic church over there on the corner. I want to go to that apostolic church that seems to be on the wrong side of the tracks. My parents went to a church that was just a little residence in the city of Oxnard, and people came by one night and said, I don't know what you guys were doing last night, but that little church was shaking on its foundation back and forth. Something was happening in the spirit with some people that said, you know what, I choose to be an apostolic, and I choose to reach a city. Today there's still a church in Oxnard, California, because somebody chose to go ye therefore. I'm thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Number two, the church exists or functions to edify the saints, First Corinthians chapter two and verse one. And I brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit. And of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Second, Peter says uh, in chapter three, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. There's got to be a way for us to do more in edification of the saints. There's got to be more than just a life lived on my own. I I, I Began to think of you know years of being in the apostolic faith and walk. I was born into it. And I'll be 50 years old in December. And I I just until a few years ago, I looked at myself as a young man. And I happened to be talking to my dad one day, and he goes, You're not so young anymore. I said, I know that. But if I keep saying it, then I'll probably still believe it. And maybe other people will believe it. But I've been around 50 years. I've seen the way things used to be and the way things have become in some churches. And it, it, it frustrates me sometimes when I see that churches don't have the same form and the same function that they once had. It, it frustrates me that somebody so easily can walk away from that and think, well, we don't really want to focus on that anymore because, you know, God said to go. Ye therefore. And if you don't get all of them together, you don't have the church of God. If you don't have the form and you don't have the function and we're going to talk about the doctrine, if you don't have one of those, then you're not complete. Brother Frost just preached and he talked about um, a man that began to teach a doctrine. He said somebody asked him a question on his website and he took it down. What did you call it again? Partialism. And I thought how how fitting would it be to think of that in these terms as well. I was working on this message and I thought partialism. So if you take one part of that out, then what happens? Well, we know that if you take the father, son and Holy ghost and put them together, that it makes God because he is the father. He is the son. He is the Holy ghost. And we understand those things. And this man said, if you take the father and pull him apart separately and begin to talk to him, he's only a third. Well, I looked at this and thought, how difficult is it for a world to look at a guy that stands in a pulpit and doesn't really have the form or the function and he begins to preach the gospel and somebody says, I don't understand what you're preaching because you don't look like any of those old timers I used to see. You don't look like they look. And I know that through time things change and and we have better ideas or or. Easier way to do things. I mean, you look tonight, and we were giving on a phone. And, you know, when I was a kid, I would have never known that you pull a phone out, and that would be one of the most powerful computers you could have, and it fits into my pocket. I mean, I I lived in the 80s, and we were always talking about these cool things that were probably going to happen in our lifetime. thought we'd probably fly or have flying cars. Well, I was going to say something political, but I'll leave that to Bishop. (laughs) Seems like some of the things will get better and better and other things just seem to revert back to. I don't know. But, you know, I I, I look at the, the way the church is and we we find some function in some things that other people say, well, you know, I don't know that you should use your phone and I don't know if you should do that. And I don't know if we should sing that song or I don't know if we should worship with that or we haven't lost the form and we haven't lost the function of who we really are. And we need to be those people that understand that I I have to go and I have to teach and I have to preach to new people but every once in a while we get together for the edification of the saints because there's got to be some growth for us to reach out beyond ourselves. There's got to be some of us that that you may be going through the trial of your life and when you come in here this is the safest place for you and you need somebody to reach out to you and say I love you and God loves you and we're going to make it through this. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what happened yesterday but we're going to do some things in the house of God that brings along those that may be struggling, we're going to edify and lift up the saints of God. Number three, we're going to glorify glorify God. 2 Thessalonians 1.12 tells us that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot function or operate like the rest of the religious world does. There's no way that we can look at the Catholic and say, well, if we form ourselves after them or try to function as they do, or we look at the Baptist church or any denomination that we can ever think up. And, and believe it or not, I was standing in a place painting one day, and this lady knocks on the door, and she goes, Have you ever heard of God the mother? My son was about 16. And my son turns around and kind of gave this look and he kind of stepped away on a, a stair stairway and he sat down and I began to talk with this lady and I, I had never heard that before and it's something that came out of uh, Korea or South Korea I'm not sure which and and this this woman began to use about four scriptures and I thought how amazing that somebody can form a doctrine out of just about four scriptures and they just inundate you with it. They just over and over and over and won't let you talk. And I'm like, (laughs) so I said, do you believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God for reproof for doctrine? And she goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. I said, well, let's step over to Acts chapter two of the new the new church when it started. And she goes, you know, I think it's time for me to leave. I got a ride. And she didn't want to talk to me. But she knew that scripture was given. I can't operate like other people operate where they try to read one portion of scripture and then they want to forget the next line because it explains what scripture is trying to tell us. I don't want to seek uh, another uh, form of church or form of godliness, whatever they may call it, and go after that because I understand that I've been raised in a place that looks at Scripture and I understand that they'll read not just one Scripture but two Scriptures and three Scriptures. And we understand that we can go between uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4 and we can read there and we can go to John 1 and 1 and read through uh, verse 14 and we can go back and forth and we can show them the gospel of Jesus Christ simply by reading the Word of God to them. I don't have to inundate them with four scriptures and keep repeating them over and over and over. But in all that we do, there's got to be a purpose in us that says I'm going to glorify God in everything that I do. I've got to lift him up. I've got to glorify my God because that's important to who I am and who I want to be. The last point in this portion Number four, we exist to provoke unto love and good works. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I was out of town last week and preached in two places, and I'm not judging. Believe me, I had a good time, and went and preached in the morning in one city and went to another city and preached in the afternoon. Those were the only, only services they had on Sunday. And I was thankful for a church that still has church on Sunday morning and Sunday night because we see that day approaching where we know that the coming of God is closer and closer. We see the signs every day. We see prophecies fulfilled over and over and over. And I don't want to be... One of those that say I'm too busy on Sunday night to go to church or I'm too busy during midweek to go to church. I I just I feel like one time a week is enough. I don't need to go over and over and over. God knows I love him and he doesn't need me to show up and prove it every time. But I'm thankful for a house of God that's hung on to some old paths and said, we're still going to have church twice on Sunday. We're still going to have midweek. We're still going to have prayer meeting. We're still going to have Bible studies. We're still going to do the things that brought us the form and the function of who we are, we can't adapt or adopt the functionality of others that do not follow this truth, they don't work, it, it frustrates me when I see somebody that, that, I've seen some powerful preachers and all of a sudden I look at their church and they're standing there in a pair of jeans and their shirt tail hanging out and they've got a bar stool sitting there and they step over and sit on it and talk and, and they're trying to just be cool and relevant and it frustrates me, because there's got to be a way to, to tap into the resources that we have. That's not going to happen in that event, in that In that environment very much when all of a sudden God steps in like he did last Sunday night and begin to pour out on people's hearts and souls and they begin to reach out to God for the Holy Ghost and for other things in their life because they feel a power of God that's moving. Not because we're so lackadaisical in our approach, but we say there's going to be something happen in this place tonight because I anticipated it and I prayed for it. There's got to be something more to the function of who we are. If we're going to change those around us, our function has to be like the true body of Christ. There's got to be a a, uh, a desire in all of us to find a place to pray and say, God, I don't care what it is or who it is today that I I need to meet with somebody. I need to see somebody. I need to tell somebody, God loves you, and I've got a place that you need to go and come and visit with me. I, can I tell you what Jesus did for me? See somebody standing there that can't afford to buy something for their children, and every once in a while, I've had an opportunity to stand, step forward, and say, I'll take care of the rest of that. It could be $3. It could be $10. That's how we are the church of the living God. That's how we are reaching our communities, because some people are down on their luck, and there there is a problem in their life that's too big and too unsurmountable to get over and they're standing there frustrated and they're angry and they begin to get embarrassed and all of a sudden they got people standing behind them and all they need is a little love shown to them and there's a time and an opportunity for us to step forward and say can I pay for that can I do that and you strike up a conversation and pretty soon you got somebody coming to the house of God that never entered an apostolic church because somebody had the form and the function of an apostolic that said I'll do it I'll go I'll search I'll find I'll teach I'll preach I'll do anything you ask me to do God if I need to be your feet I'll go if I need to be your hands I'll do it if I need to be your voice I'll shout it from the rooftops our function is not to entertain people and I'm entertained sometimes by the music here, I, I, I'm be honest. I really like music, and sometimes it just gels, man. It's just perfect, and I can stand right here and watch everybody play, and I can listen to it, and I can enjoy that because I really like music. Sometimes it's hard for some people to function the way everybody else is functioning. Because they're not playing their song. I can't worship that. And I have to say that you know, I retired from the drums two years ago. There was a few songs Brother, uh, Brother Mark that I love to play the drums on. And when it's time to worship to him, I'm like, eh. clapping's just a little too slow. It's not what I want to do. And get me on the drums, and I, I, I can, I can fit in here. This, scent, it's groovy, it's cool, I enjoy it. And I know that all the time the music doesn't fit everybody's style. I understand that. I do, and I'm not saying this to. Like I could embarrass Bishop, I probably couldn't. But I remember getting in your truck a long time ago. Little white, GMC single cab Chevy truck step side and he gets in turn the key on and you know what was playing in his truck I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses it was one of the twangiest versions I'd ever heard in my life is Willie Nelson and I happened to look over in a service one night and I was struggling with the song because it was one of those songs that I loved to play and it was groovy but I don't like to worship to it and I watched Bishop clapping his hands and doing something with his feet and I felt like God said he can worship with it it may not be the sort of function that I like. It may not be the song that I like. It may not be the beat that I like. It may not be slow enough for me. It may not be fast enough for me. But every once in a while, I took a look around our church, and I watch elders in our church that I know the song that we're playing a lot of times is not what they choose. That's not what they turn on in their house and and walk through the house worshiping to. I, I know that. I know that as sure as I'm standing here. But I watched them worship, and I watched people step out and walk around an aisle, and I realized that we're all functioning together, not for our enjoyment, Not for what we get out of it, but there may be somebody that stepped in here off of a street somewhere and they feel something when that song hits. They feel something when we begin to sing that song because it's the sweetest sound they've ever heard. They've never heard that kind of worship from people before. They've never understood where that can take them in the spirit before. And so sometimes we have to worship with some things as as elders and and. Believe me, you guys, I've been around here 28 years. Last week was 28 years I've been here. And most of the time when I sang a song, it was probably a slow one. Some of you are probably thinking, does that guy know any fast songs? I like slow songs to sing with. I don't have to say the words too fast and all of that. I got time to think and what I'm going to do. But. There's a function that we do. It's not just for our enjoyment. It's not for people's enjoyment that come in here. It's for people to understand that we are reaching a world and our worship is going to reach somebody before preaching can ever reach them. Everything's got to work in tandem. And so we're not here to entertain you or anybody else. We're here because we need to find out how in the world am I going to get to a cross? How am I going to bring somebody to a cross? And how are they going to find transformation in their life? There's got to be a a reason that we come here and do what we are because there's got to be a transformation from who we were and who we need to be in Him. The church is in the transformation business. The church is in the transformation business. We're not here just to say hi and we're going to cafe and I'll meet you on Saturday morning for breakfast and I'll see you again Sunday in church and go to the cafe and get a coffee and come back and do it all over again. We're in the transformation business. We will not and we cannot become what the denominal world has become and we cannot be successful as the bride of crisis. That's the way we look at it. There's got to be an understanding of what our function is in this world last one, doctrine. Dictionary tells us that doctrine is a particular principle, position, or policy taught or advocated as of a religion or government. I believe in repentance. That's part of our doctrine. I believe in Acts 2.38 and 39. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Luke chapter 24 and verse 46 and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I believe in repentance. I believe in stepping away or or moving away from sin. I believe in making a 180 and walking away from sin and start to live a separated life. I also believe in the baptism in Jesus' name that we just read about in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Galatians three twenty-seven. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I believe that Galatians and Mark uh, 16 are the truth. I believe that when I read about baptism in the Scriptures, uh, that there are four or five times in the in the book of Acts and I had a very crazy conversation with a man that was Southern Baptist and we began to talk about baptism in Jesus name and he began to tell me well it's in the original if you look at the original text and and you begin to break it down I said can you read the original text because I can't he said well no but I read a book about it and the guy said I said hold on a second I said so we're we're talking about the word of God I said I'll give you a million dollars. I was making nine bucks an hour, by the way. I said, I'll give you a million dollars if you can tell me that somebody is baptized in the name or in the titles, as you seem to think that 2819 says. He said, well, the whole chapter, that's what they did. But they didn't have enough room to include in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Brother Max, that's what I did. (laughs) What? What? I said, oh, okay, well, let me go back to the law, and let's go to the law when it talks about marriages and and if somebody gives themselves to a man and doesn't fully disclose who they are, and the family was then stoned. I said, all of those things in the law that you could go through hours and hours and days and days and read about the law, and there's a lot of things, Brother Frost, that I look at and say, is that really necessary for us to understand today? I said, and I I was a little more open than I was here. There's a bunch of kids here. But I said, just understand this, Ray. I said, he wrote all of that in the Old Testament. But when it came to my salvation, he said, really, what happened is I ran out of room to write it in the book of Acts. So this is what you're going to have to understand. It really was in the titles, but it says in the name of Jesus. And I got so frustrated. I said, we can't talk about scripture anymore. And he goes, why? I said, because I'm mad. And I can't believe I'm so mad talking about the Word of God. But there's got to be a time that you understand that I'm not going to listen to what a man wrote, but I'm going to listen to what maybe men wrote that were moved on by God, who wrote scriptures that gave us the Word of God and a way to live and said, there's got to be a repentance from from." dead works and there's got to be a repentance from sin and there's got to be a baptism in water that it looks like the blood of jesus is able to wash away and it does wash away every one of our sins when we're baptized in the name of jesus the holy ghost was given in acts chapter 2 and verse 4 and they were all filled with the holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance acts ten forty four. while peter yet spake these words the holy ghost fell on all them which heard the word. I believe in all of this. I believe because I stood in an altar at nine years old. One day after I looked across the church and saw a little girl that was barely three years old that began to speak in a heavenly language and tears rolling down my face. And I said, God, that's not fair. I'm nine years old and I want the Holy Ghost. And the next night I stood next to a crude altar in a church in the Dalles, organ and I began to speak in another language. And I was so grateful and thankful that I was able to be born again of the water and the spirit because that's the way it was taught to me. There's form, there's function, and there's doctrine. There's got to be something that makes me rise above where I was, makes me think that there's something better for me in a world of sin and degradation. Part of this doctrine... Is the oneness doctrine. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Colossians 2, 8 through 10, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. The musicians may come. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. We do not preach the same doctrine as the rest of the religious world. We don't function like the rest of the religious world. I went to a Catholic church, and I've told a lot of people this, and a lot of it's for shock factor, but I said I felt God in a Catholic church today. And most of time people look at me like, wow, where's this guy going? But this man stepped to a little podium and grabbed a microphone and began to sing. And if you like opera type music, you would think it was beautiful, I don't but I still thought his voice was beautiful, he had a great tenor voice and he began to sing amazing grace, he got halfway through the first stanza and I began to weep, I was hanging on to a holding a girl, her, grand, her great grandfather's funeral and I felt like God said they don't know what my grace is and i watched as he used the incense and he walked around and he swung the thing did around all the the whole area in the front of there and i thought these people are so caught up in tradition they don't even know what form or function or doctrine that they need to be a part of we can't afford to emulate what these places are peddling to the weakest of our world. Some have a place to go on a Sunday morning and write a check so they have a deduction for their taxes. And they preach a flowery message and they feel good and they go home. But I'd venture to say that a lot of time when they put their head down at night on a pillow, there's no peace. And I'm sure that there are some that say, there's got to be more than what I'm feeling at that house that they call the house of God there's got to be more and people are looking for an apostolic church just like this one that there's form there's function and there's doctrine someone laid the groundwork for what we have here today and I'm grateful like I said I came 28 years ago this month in the first few years brother Frost I didn't I don't know if this would ever be my home. I'm sure you remember one conversation we had. I had questions. I was Working with somebody and they they began to try to interject things. And I, I don't think they were being mean-spirited, but maybe, who knows. They began to give me questions about who he was and what this church was about. As a 22-year-old, 23 Oh, maybe twenty four I asked him if I could meet with him and we met on a Sunday afternoon about 4 thirty. And I remember the first song kicked off. We're still sitting in that old office with the green carpet and he answered every question that I threw at him. And today I think, man, I must have thought who is this jerk come in here and start asking me questions like this? Not one time did I feel that from him. And that began something in me that says, I could probably make this home. Because somebody was willing to say, you got a question, I've got an answer. You, you want to question that? And then one particular question I asked him, he goes, you believe in the word of God, don't you? <laughs> that one hurt. That one hurt. I got over it. I said, yes, sir, I do. And he, he quotes a scripture to me. I said, well, he got me there. But I came to a place That Somebody laid the groundwork and said, if we're going to be apostolic, then we're going to be apostolic in form. We're going to be apostolic in function, and we're going to be apostolic in doctrine. And we're going to preach this gospel to a dying world. If it's a last breath in us, we're still going to preach the same thing. Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm never going to step back from that. I'm never going to deviate from that. I'm never going to to say it's okay if we look like the rest of the world. We're still just going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It never works, sir. It never works, man, because it's all tied together. When you look at who we are and how we function and what we preach, it's all wrapped up in this thing that we're just part of the body of Christ. And I'm so glad to be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. Let's let's stand tonight. So I can't preach what the rest of the church preaches. I can't emulate what the rest of the world is peddling to other people. We're not preaching a wellness doctrine. We're not preaching a doctrine that tickles the ears of the hearer. We have a mandate from the throne of God, and that's a greater mandate than anything the government can hand out. We have a mandate to preach the doctrine of the apostles, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you a story in closing I ran into a guy that I went to church with for about three and a half years. Met him when I was 18 and he was about 16. I got married. I came over here. He got married and he stayed at the church he was at. And the first child they had, something happened in childbirth. And his daughter is seriously diminished. When I say seriously diminished, I mean seriously. There are times that she just screams out. She slobbers. But he began to tell me that he felt that he was frustrated. He goes, I've done discipleship for 21 years. He goes, I just feel like there could be more. And I said, Bob, I said, I I really think that that's not a bad place to be in. I said, if you're willing to do more, but you're working in the kingdom of God, I said, that's not a bad place to be. I said, because God can move us in places and and put us in position to do things that need to be done for the kingdom of God, if we're willing. But as we were talking and I I gave him my story, I I spent 19 years on the youth board at this church. And I spent a few in the in the at least a year in the church there before I came here and was married. And I said, and right out of working with young people, I went into discipleship and I said, talk about two things that were so rewarding. There's nothing like looking around a church and seeing the lives of young people that you touched and you watch them go through heartache and frustration and one trial after another and look at them on the platform and they're singing and worshiping God and they're involved in ministries and say, you know what, I had a hand in helping somebody understand who Jesus was. And there's nothing quite like working with new people when you see them come in and I had one man begin to, to... Out in class, he goes, I'm not going to be swayed by what somebody's opinion is. Brother Nate was happened to be in there that morning. And I came back a little strong, and Brother Nate kind of looked at me. And uh, I said, I haven't given you my opinion today. I gave you word, every bit of it. I said, I can take you back through it any time you want to. I said, it's all the word of God. And I watched that man go down in water in Jesus' name and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, who was once a Trinitarian. There's something rewarding about that when you're reaching people. But in my conversation, something that got me, and I'm going to be emotional. I'm sorry. I'm I'm going to be. And he told me, I can't tell you. He said, pretty much down to the last person in 21 years, a new person comes in. He goes, almost every one of them have looked at me and said, your daughter was the first one that met me at the door. And I'm going to tell you something. When she comes to the door, she walks erratic, and her hands don't work exactly right. And you can tell by looking that there's a diminished brain there, that something happened in birth, and she slobbers a little bit, and she reaches out, and she says, Welcome to the house of God. And she tells people, Jesus loves you, and so do we. And she gives them a hug, and she leaves some slobber on the coat of the man that she hugs and she leaves slobber on the the blouse of a woman that walks into a church house that's never been there before and they said the first person that met us at the door was Sammy and I said I'm going to tell you something Bobby you can't ever give that up if you stepped out of doing discipleship three years or three months or five years or, or five days if you would have ever given that up you would have never received that little special story from almost every person that comes into the house of God and I, I went home and I told my wife I said we've got people sitting on our apostolic pews that say I don't have a place and I don't have anything to do and I've heard a lot of them And it frustrates me because a little child, or she looks like a a grown person, but she's still just a little child. And she found something in the house of God to do, and she does it every time she goes to the house of God. There's always a smile. There's always Jesus loves you, and so do I. There's always something that says, I've got to touch the person that's walking in because that person needs to know who Jesus is. And can I tell you that I, I felt convicted in my spirit and I thought, why can't I be a little bit like Sammy? Why can't I be like Samantha and just go to the front doors of the church and when somebody comes in and say, welcome to the house of God. God loves you and so do I. Come and enjoy worship with us today. Why can't I be a little bit more like somebody that that just says, you know what, I'm happy to be here. I don't need a place in the choir. I don't need a place on the music team. I don't need a place anywhere. I just want to see what happens in the house of God because I'm excited about what I see. Here's a church that has the form, has the function, and has the doctrine. And there's people out there that want to know what this is. There's people out there that are looking for something and they're saying, I haven't found it yet. But when I came into this place, I found it. Uh, As they sing, I pray that we would all be challenged enough to walk to the front tonight and commit again, once again, to say, I'm going to be apostolic in form, in function, in doctrine. Open up these altars.